0: Pack your bags with high quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Hi, I'm John McEnroe, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast.
2: Well hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast. This is the final edition of 2012 and I'm happy to say that despite her croaky voice of last time that stopped her being part of the Tennis Podcast, Catherine Whittaker is back. How are you doing Catherine?
1: Hello, hello. I'm doing good.
2: That's Catherine and I'm pleased to say we have a special guest Flown straight in from the BBC, from Eurosport, from Sky Sports, from everybody he speaks to about tennis. It's Mr. Andrew Castle. Hello, Andrew. Yeah, I
3: think I've list. You've listed most of the people that I supply my services on a freelance basis to. So much appreciated, <laughs> Catherine. What are you doing in the men's locker room here at the Royal Albert Hall? You are a disgrace. Do your parents know you're here. This is shocking stuff.
1: I am. I'm squatting in the men's locker room at the moment. I am. I'm on borrowed time. Yes. <laughs>
2: Because we are here at the Statoil Masters Tennis, where we're on day five of a fantastic week of entertainment. We've had John McEnroe this afternoon winning the legend singles. We've, got, uh, we've had the doubles this afternoon with Mansour Barali, Peter McNamara. We've got Tim Henman up against Fabri Santoro on court at the moment. And Mr Andrew Castle, you're in action a little bit later. How has it been to, to be amongst this company playing on this court? Well, when I quit tennis
3: back in 1992, I didn't play for 10 years. I took up squash, um, relaxed, tried to build a career into, uh, in, in, in broadcasting, it just left the game completely. And I never thought for a moment that I would come back and be given the opportunity to play against and with all this lot. I mean, last year I played Wimbledon with, um, with Mansour. And this year I played with Guy Forger. I play Hurlingham. With, uh, with whoever, and tonight I play with Bates against Denquist and Lacan in front of people. Could be worse, could people, be. People, people are out there, they're actually watching, and, um, and I'm wearing shorts and my little skinny legs are out there running around the Albert Hall, and when you walk back and you look up at the Wells organ and you think about the history of the place, you just cannot believe it. So darlings, in a very light entertainment way, I have played the Albert Hall
2: <laughs> it's a very different atmosphere backstage. Here we are sitting in the locker room at the moment. We've just had Jeremy Bates in here a moment ago. Henri Leconte was in here. Everybody's pretty relaxed, aren't they? Oh, it's, yeah. not, it's not like the old days.
3: Oh, no, no, no. This is, this is totally different. I mean, there's um, you know, the intensity on the regular tour, I mean, where, where people are trying to achieve their max. I mean, that's one thing. But you know, what people want here is to entertain, to not let themselves down, to not make a fool of themselves. I mean, that's goal number one. I mean, guys like Fabrice, who is well, he's 40 today. Happy birthday, Fabrice. Um, Tim's been practicing. I mean, I worked with him on the Beeb, and uh, when we were at the O2 at the World Tour Finals, he, you know, he was thinking about his playing schedule, pr- practice. So we want to go out there, and we want to play. But we also want to enjoy each other's company and enjoy what brought everybody into the game in the first place, which is the feel of the ball on strings.
2: Ah properly the love of the game.
3: Love of the game. Everyone says, you know, why McEnroe? Why are you still playing? What Okay, some of it is the win. And for him, maybe it's the win more than and the vindication that comes with it. I mean, I don't want to get into psycho babble, but hey, winning's better than losing um, for all of us. I get my winning fix elsewhere, but with tennis, which is the sport that I love the most, what I get is the vibe of the ball hitting the racket. Same as when I was nine years old on Taunton Green. Eight hours, in the sunshine, orange squash in a Tupperware beaker. Day one, I want that.
2: Well, that's no, that's nice. Isn't I
1: can it? very much sympathise with that because even at my lowly, lowly level of tennis, like that feeling of hitting a, an absolutely clean shot. I you think it sounds like when you're snapping a carrot. That yeah. lovely clean oh, I pop. Like I
3: like that analogy. That's beautiful. It's it's yeah. a
1: sense of sort of fulfillment mm, and mm. S- such pure joy fleeting mm. though it is mm. it is it's a lovely feeling well, they
3: say in golf that, that you know you hit the one one great shot around and that keeps you coming back for more um and, and what what you have here and um, what is what is slightly scary is that there are people watching and there are people at home do so you get nervous still yeah definitely um, perhaps me more than others but I have to say and I won't give any names away there are several people um, in this event who have admitted to me behind the scenes that they get nerves and, and they have to deal with it but that's I mean Matt's in fact Matt's Philander he said it on uh, on ITV4 in the interview I was sitting at home with a cup of tea in my hand um, thinking I'm playing on that court later it's ridiculous I mean who wants to see this but he anyway he,
2: s- he, said, he said I I choked a little bit in his yeah. first match here he said he said I suddenly found myself getting nervous yeah. in the match. Well why not? I mean if you care about winning and if you care about your
3: performance, you know, you you, you you're gonna be slightly nervous. We're all looking for that snapped carrot moment. I love that. I've got yeah. that in my head now, you hear.
2: Well, having never snapped a carrot myself uh, with a tennis you racket in a ball, um, I don't know what the feeling's like because my tennis isn't it's particularly more, good. It's
1: more the sound of the snapped yeah, carrot. I, I know the
2: snapped racket sound <laughs> I when I bend noise. it over my knee, but uh,
3: just trying to think if there's any other analogy that that lovely sort of crack of a, yeah. a, of a beautifully hit driver or a you know I mean golf okay sport, but I mean there's got to be something there's got to be something. When okay. you're young and you fall in love with a piece of music and you sort of, there's a, there's a mine was Genesis when I was young, 1977, oh jeez, you weren't even born, you two whippersnappers, but um, you might. Well, have. Just I just David Law a
1: whippersnapper. <laughs> Thanks a lot. You just made his win.
3: You can come again. <laughs> How old are you? Uh,
2: 39. You're not. I am, yeah. You
3: have not smoked or drunk enough. Well,
2: actually, uh, <laughs> have you seen the colour of my hair? <laughs> <laughs> John McEnroe, Andrew you've shared a commentary <laughs> box with him yeah. you've now shared locker room with him mm. I played with him in the old days as well what is it um, like played in 19
3: so, uh, what was it 77 he was semi-finalist as a 17 year old yes yeah, 79 i believe it was could have been 78 Braniff Airways i think 78 maybe Braniff Airways world doubles at Olympia um, you have to go back a long way to uh, to remember that one we were all given orange tracksuits, all us uh, young British juniors, and we were able to play a pro-am at the old Vanderbilt Club, which has been pulled down. Westfield Shopping Centre is there now, from Mel and Bob Hewitt. Um, all, the, all the guys, they were playing uh, Fleming and McEnroe. And guess who we all wanted to play with? McEnroe came in with his little frizzy hair and uh, a, a sort of a, a moleskin uh, overcoat. And uh, it was in the days before the world was, uh, was small. The world was big then. And when a brash American was in dark London, not the London that hosted the Olympics and is probably the biggest and number one city in the world, but in the old days, when a ham sandwich was a simple slice of ham and margarine on white bread, those simple halcyon days, McEnroe was rock and roll.
2: He was like the J.R. Ewing of tennis, yeah. though, wasn't
3: he? Yeah, he was a, he was a frightening character. Um, yeah, Larry, when ha- Larry Hagman it. passed just a couple of weeks ago. That's it's right. just a memory of a GMTV interview I did with him. But anyway, yeah, anyway, Mac in those days, USA on his back, hair everywhere, and a scowling attitude. And that was the first time, and that's when I played. with You know, the old Wilson pro-staff racket with a diamond down there, the Korean throat. Those, those days. Uh, but is you know. he any different now? Uh, uh, well, well, that's a very good question, because there are some situations where he gets into, whether it be socially or on court where he's no different at all, which tells you everything you need to know about back then. Great. We all have our moments, but he still goes on the court and has those moments um, where he literally loses it. And everyone thinks, oh, it's in his contract. Listen, there are times when he loses it because he's frustrated because he's not doing what he wants to do. Great. He's still seeking elite performance despite being over 50. I'm loving
2: that. What's he like to share a commentary box with? I mean, he must you must have to be on your game when he's alongside you. Um, well, I mean, I have I, I've,
3: I've been lucky enough to be around some fairly big characters. Netanyahu, um, Alicia Keys sang to me once. Um, Personally. Yeah. Well, no, this was on air, but we set the cameras up. She was she was singing right at me. Uh, Vera Lynn, Armed Forces Sweetheart, Second World War in the Cabinet War Rooms, sung sang, "We'll Meet Again" to me. Um, President Clinton, Cameron, Blair, Brown, a number of prime ministers, you know, with some pretty tough things to to, to get through. So I'm not sort of psyched out by big characters or anything. I mean, it's my job to be around them and has been for a while. Never was particularly impressed unless somebody impresses me. You know, a reputation is not enough. Although I found Netanyahu very scary and the people who came in with him. Um, McEnroe, I find easy to work with um, because... I think he's. Uh, hello, Enquist has walked in.
2: We're just doing a Hello, job. Thomas Enquist. How are you? Good. How are you? Are you going to play uh, doubles with this man tonight?
0: Yes, against, I think, or with? We yeah, we're
3: playing against. Are you going to be nice? It depends. Are you going to hit nice, gentle forehands to me? Make- I will
0: hit as hard as I can <laughs> on everything.
1: Thomas has just been busy responding to some fan mail. That's what he's been doing.
2: Have you? You've had some fan mail?
0: Yeah, I, I received one.
2: Okay, well, what did it say? Who, who was it? Was it Kath- Catherine? Did you do that? It but it was no. dated
0: a very long time ago. It has been lost somewhere in the <laughs> <laughs> in the post office all over the world, and it actually arrived. It was it's from nine to nine, actually. It's
1: from somebody called Paul. So if you're listening, Paul, and uh, Paul is disappointed that he never got to see Thomas at his peak, but he'll have to settle for seeing him now. And yeah. uh, all
2: right, he still looks at his peak though, don't, don't you? Well, I have maybe
0: maybe reached my peak. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> How, old are you? How old are you? 39, son. Yeah.
3: So How about you? 49. So, can I start my service games 30 lava?
0: Um, 15, maybe.
3: <laughs>
2: so there you are, an insight into the doubles goings-on at the Royal Albert Hall. We've Sweetie. heard from Andrew Castle on guy. John McEnroe. Thank you for that insight. Thomas Enquist. I want to tell you more about McEnroe. I want to tell you about the commentary box with McEnroe, if I may, just to go True. back. Because, you
3: know, a lot of uh, some people find him intimidating, other people don't. I mean, it's, everyone wants to work with him. That's the key. Everyone wants to work with him because it's a bit of a bar. Now, you know what? If he turns around and tells me, uh, or if he, t- if he whips around and gives me a questioning look about something that I may have said, good, that's everything I want achieved. The whole point is that you think about the audience and you think about provoking this, uh, this uh, lizard into a response. I mean, I want him, I want his tongue flicking out there and I want him spitting information and insight. That is what I think commentary should be. And also a lot of silence on TV. And he does that very well as well. When he's working for the BBC in America, they prefer more words. And they're happy for it to be all words, really. So he can do that. But what's wonderful is when he's quiet. When Federer play, came out to play Henman on Centre Court, freshly mown, third round one year, we were there half an hour beforehand doing some research, having a chat. And uh, I make sure the mics were turned off. And I just said, you know what, I'm having a great time. And he said, me too. That's it. Isn't that what it's about? We've got Centre Court. I'm sitting with John McEnroe. That was the year Connors popped his head around the door and said hello. He joined us on the BBC commentary team for a while. So, you know, I've got Connors and McEnroe in there, and we're just wagging and everything else. I mean, I like to think that he respects what I do when, I, when I'm broadcasting, uh, and I'd be prepared to kind of, you know, scrap my corner. You have to challenge him, but I think he understands why I'm doing it.
1: I think he respects people when they challenge him as well, don't you think?
3: Yeah, you've got to stand up to. uh, I was going to say you've got to stand up to a bully, but he's not one. It's not that. You've just got to stand up to a strong character. You know, he's. um, You know, these line judges—they haven't learned yet. You know, you've got to just march up to him. What? Don't you ever talk to me like that again? (laughs) You watch. You watch him go sheepish then.
2: I would love (laughs) to see that. So, that's John McInerney, who we'll have an interview with a little later on the Tennis Podcast. Andrew, a couple of other points just before we move on to the tennis year itself. That poll tax sign you put up early on in your career, what was all that about?
3: Uh, I couldn't have bought more. I couldn't have purchased or manufactured a better PR than that. I know now being... Exactly
2: in, what it was. Let's, let's just get to... Final, get of the what Nationals,
3: final of the Nationals one year when there was a British National Championships. I was playing Jeremy Bates again in the final of the Nationals. A uh, bit of a payday for Bates, he and I. We had a good sponsor. I mean, I don't know, the, the event was good for us as players. some in the days when we had to, you know, win. And um, I put up a sign saying no to... We've got, Jeremy Bates just walked in. We're, I'm doing the no to the poll tax thing. <laughs> So I put a... Yeah, funny, huh? You beat me three and two that day. Can, do, do you have a bleep on this? No. no. Off, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I put a sign up on the... Uh, right underneath the Prudential flying head, who were the title sponsors. Yeah. And that is something I regret. But anyway, right underneath that, and it, it said no to the poll tax. And it was a big, big deal. I mean, like, I don't know whether it was a week or a month later that there was the Trafalgar Square riots were taking place. I mean, it was a serious political issue. My point, really, was not... Um, I didn't realise I was venturing into territory that I shouldn't be in. I just thought it was a bit of a joke. That, so you did it as a joke? Oh, absolutely. It's naivety. I mean, there was no... you know That's why when I turned the sign over a couple of games later when the referee had freaked and said that the BBC were going to go off air and all this, um, Colin Hest, God bless him, you know, he said, Please, Andrew. And I'm like, Oh, OK, because I you know, adore him. So anyway, I turned it over, and on the other side, the card said, Hello, Mum in Taunton.
2: So that's uh, a wonderful story from the past. Yeah, yeah. And the last 12 months <laughs> in tennis have been uh, have been as interesting as any in sport in general, haven't they? But yeah. I mean, the, the tennis year has been all over the place. Nobody knows what's going to come next, who's going to be the next big winner, except that it's likely to come from those top four. Well,
3: no, I think it's, the, the, it's basically when you get down to the quarterfinals and the finals and, and in the semis, you've got... Almost guaranteed a great match in store somewhere. I mean, a great match. How rare.
0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
2: J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
3: I mean, I don't remember there being so many great matches. So that's captivating. That's interesting. We understand the top four characters in the men's game very well. Women's games changed a lot. I see Wozniacki now at 10 in the world. You know, Serena, if she shows up and plays, wins. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see if somebody can dismantle her game on the women's side. Venus, the comeback is kind of done, I think, uh, at, the, at, at the top level. Uh, Stoza should win every time she plays, I think. Uh, but ugh, seemingly not. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's stories everywhere. And then, of course, you've got, you know... Andy Murray who finally wins and I'm delighted because he deserved it. That's all there is to it. He frankly just deserved it. He was unconscious in the 5th set of his match against Djokovic. It took a it took a really superhuman effort from him and and it takes a superhuman effort to get all the way to even put yourself in a position to do it. So, yeah, credit where it is due and the moment was Wimbledon against Federer when he was a set up <coughs> and Five all. Federer plays a great game. Wins in four sets. Um, Andy takes the microphone from Sue Barker. Dangerous move. Worked with Sue for many years. Never take Sue's microphone. (laughs) Takes the microphone and he says, this is not going to be easy, but I'd like to say a few words, or whatever his words were. (coughs) That, you know, if you can meet with triumph in disaster read the poem Rudyard Kipling read all of it not just that line that's the moment and at the end of it it says then you are a man my son right there you go He's uh, for me that was a big moment and a month later he comes back and wins the Olympic gold so yeah bless him for that He he, he deserved it
2: well, there are five of us now in the room. We have Andrew Castle, we have Thomas Enquist, we have Jeremy Bates, we have Catherine and Catherine's myself. Yes, Let's have predictions for 2013. Who's going to win the Australian Open? Ladies first.
1: Oh, that's cruel. That's not fair. Come on now. Go on, we do professional tennis players first. No. Uh, who's going to win the Australian who's Open?
2: Who's
3: going to have that snap-carrot moment?
1: <clears throat> Go on then, Andy Murray. Okay. Do you want a women's prediction as well? Yes. Do
3: you believe uh, that? Or are you just saying that?
1: Well, I just ran through them in my head. Rafa's going to have just come back, so I could see him get... It's tough, isn't it? Because I don't think Rafa would come back until he's absolutely... He knows he can absolutely compete at the top level, so he could just come back and win it. I I wouldn't put that past him, but playing the odds as I'm going to. Yeah, go on then, Andy Murray.
2: And on the women's side?
1: On the women's side, I, I don't think... Any, I, I don't see how anybody can not predict Serena Williams to win Grand Slams at the moment. Something has to change before I would not predict Serena Williams to win. I mean, what evidence is there that anybody can beat Serena at the moment?
3: Quite right. That's exactly right. Batesy, yeah, he's booking a hotel
2: room. <laughs> Jeremy Bates is here. Jeremy, who's going to win the Australian Open?
4: Uh, for me, Murray. Murray's going to win. I think uh, I, I feel that, uh, you know. I think that was such a massive step this year as to what he's achieved with uh, with the Olympics, with the U.S. Open, and with that belief. I think the U.S. the Australian Open is one that he's performed especially well at uh, in previous years, and I think he likes playing there. The courts suit him. Um, and so how's he uh, going to th-
2: get past Djokovic, though?
4: Well, look, I mean, last year they they played a semi-final that was uh, four hours and 20 minutes and, uh, you know, it was an epic match and he played great tennis and he's he's got past Djokovic now when it's mattered in the big events and so I think he can do that again. I think he's got a bit of momentum. Um, It's never going to be light or never going to be easy but those matches are going to... Hinge on one or two points always, literally, and uh, and I th- but I think Murray is is equipped now and, and ready to to convert some of those chances that maybe, you know, he didn't quite manage to do in his the, the first four finals that he was in. So, I I think he's got a, a great chance. I feel feel quite confident he could uh, he could build on his U.S. Open victory.
2: Women's tournaments.
4: Uh, well, if, if Serena enters, Serena wins, and end of conversation. That's it. <laughs> Blimey, that's categoric. Thomas Enquist, former finalist.
1: He just copied me. You just copied what I said. Well,
2: we'll,
4: we'll have your say in a
2: minute. Thomas Enquist, who was a finalist in uh, 1999 and a runner-up. So, what do you think? Djokovic. Why? Uh, well,
0: it's tough to not uh, name the top four, as always. What you would like to see is somebody who really next year takes the steps to really Um, be a contender in the Grand Slams except the top four somebody different somebody different it would be nice to see I have absolutely nothing against the top four and you admire their skills stop being
2: so polite who's going to break into the top four Uh, but um, uh,
0: it's coming back right well, we're praying every day for that Robin's gonna come back. Yeah. But uh, at, nice. at at the well, moment, what's the problem
2: with Robin at the the he's got well, is it glandular fever or mononucleosis? Well that kind of thing?
0: well, it's it's the aftermath after that. He obviously yeah. don't have it anymore, but he's still this uh, a kind of a fatigue thing where mm. he as s- soon as he stepped up the practice a little bit, he he has difficulties again. You know, so he needs to take it very very easy. I know that he's on the right way and he's much better, but. Who knows? He doesn't even know himself exactly when he's going to start to play is again.
3: He's a dad
0: now, isn't he? And he has become a father, yeah. That's um,
1: something
3: you don't get over easily.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Castle there. Uh, and uh, in the women's tournament, so we now know Novak Djokovic is going to win the men's title according to Thomas Enquist. Who's going to win the women's? We've had two votes for Serena Williams so far.
0: I just have to say somebody else than Serena, I have to say. But it's the same there. You wanted to see a few more uh, girls there to be a little bit more contender Mm. and it's all about how fit Serena is and how healthy she is I have a feeling at the moment, you know.
2: Andrew Castle, Laura Robson and Heather Watson. What about them stepping up and doing some damage at well, the Australian? I, th-
3: I think this is a year of consolidation for them. They might continue to improve. They might continue to climb up the rankings. But if you'd have said it that this time last year, they'll both be uh, around sort of 50, 50, 60 in the world. That would, be, that would have been amazing. So, you know, hold on. I mean, what I'm intrigued to, to know is how high Han Othavon can get with Jeremy Bates as a coach. I'll be watching her progress very closely you see you're still booking a hotel room for the first tournament <laughs> of the year for is it just for you is it <laughs> it's <a sandwich> show.
4: <laughs> so uh
3: yeah listen i i th- th- they've made women's tennis very interesting those two robson and watson in this country for a while and uh intriguingly the uh, the the rights for the wta tour to be broadcast over here have gone to uh, bt vision who are starting up in august so I mean talk about good timing for them, so you know well, well done for, to them for seeing it. but yeah, that that will be, be quite intriguing, as to the Australian Open, but thanks for reminding me that he made the final, by the way. you know I 'm about to step out of the Albert Hall against him i'd <laughs> forgotten. I mean, I was broadcasting the damn thing, and um, you know, I saw him playing Sampress at Wimbledon, it was sent to court one time. You play subway. was it three tie breaks or something i can 't remember.
0: We played for three days. It took
3: him. It took three days for him to beat me. Took three And what
0: was the score? A three-zero for him in set.
3: Yeah, but it was like unbelievably close, right? <laughs> Every set. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I've basically been a media man for God knows how long, and now I'm playing against this 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 guy. So, um, you know, we were talking about whether we still get nervous or not. I've just got nervous, <laughs> and, and it's your fault.
2: Who's going to win the Australian Open then? Oh, Men or women?
3: I, I just, uh, I think it's best not to. Oh, uh, no, come on! Who is it? No, I think it's best not to go against world number one on the men's side. I think Novak Djokovic starts every Grand Slam as favourite until somebody proves otherwise. Not the French Nadal, but you know, I think you have to pick Djokovic. I think he's the best player in the world. So that's that's just my uh, my opinion. Well,
2: hold on. The world number one in the women's game is Victoria Azarenka. Therefore, yeah. you think she's going to win the tournament. But
3: but, but that's because Serena doesn't play enough. If she played more, she'd be world number one. She is the world number one. So, yes, I agree. There, there must be a computer issue. I remember when Annika, was it Annika Sorenstein, was world number one in the women's golf, and she hadn't won a major or... So. If, you're, if you haven't won a major, you cannot be number one in the world in anybody's eyes. You know, that's, an, that's, a, that's a, a, a talking point. But if you haven't won one of the slams and you are one, that's... It's just It's an anomaly, really. Um, she won the Australian last year as a Ranker. I understand why she's, she's world number one. But um, Serena's the favourite. Well, we'll look forward to it very much Are you the down year? Are you down there? you down there for be that? There, I'll be paid there. your ticket? You do
2: all this freelance BBC work. BBC Radio I'll be there for. Oh, but I'm Talking the nonsense on so the radio. I'm, so, I'm <laughs> um, I'm, so I'm going up...
3: Not at all. So I'm going up to Salford to do some BBC television. So I won. Love soul that time of the year lad (laughs) Excellent
2: Well it only remains for me to say who I think is going to win the Australian Open And I can tell you that it is going to be Andy Murray For the second slam in a row He's going to sweep all before him
1: I can see why you got me to do my predictions first now (laughs) I see what's happened here Everyone's gone Whatever Catherine says I can see that I'm onto a winner there Did
2: you say Andy Murray's going to win? Yes I did I reckon Novak Djokovic is going to win Absolutely, no question
3: about hey, it. Hey, OK, look, the question next time you do one of these podcasty things is uh, ask people who could win one. Who's, li- who's going to be the first person to win one who's not one of those top four? Right, who's
2: going to be the first one who's going to win one who's not those top four? Thomas? Thomas Enquist. Berdich. Thomas Berdich yeah. is going to win a Grand Slam title? Yeah. He could do it in Australia. Wow. Wow, very interesting Jeremy Bates First non-top four player To
4: win a Grand Slam title His oh, really next great. one is going to be <laughs> Can you come back to me in a minute? No <laughs> <laughs> Wow, what a question that is um, uh, Very difficult to answer um, I mean, uh, if you'd asked me a year ago Then I think I would, probably would have said Somebody like Reynick Had a decent chance of coming through a draw But now I'm really not, not convinced about that one Um I guess Burditch is the closest. Del Potro. Mm, yeah, Del Potro is a good call. Um, yeah, really I think. Yeah. yeah, I think actually, I think actually, uh, Del Potro would be would be a good answer. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, final,
2: final one is for Catherine, who's going to be the first non-top four player to win a Grand Slam title.
1: Well, it depends whether we count Del Potro. I think because he's already. No. We don't count Del Andrew Castle Del- has
2: winner. eliminated Juan Ooh. Martin Del Potro. The poor guy. New he's new
1: because he's only won one. <clears throat> well, that does make it tough because I would have said Del Potro. Okay. I think that one year, if if in the next couple of years, Rafa isn't on the top of his game at the French, I think David Ferrer could win it. Good shot,
3: Good shot. Um If not Milos Raonic. Is it Raunic, you say, or Raonic? Raonic. Yeah, it's is funny, isn't it? Raunich. Yeah,
4: Milosh.
3: All I know is Ick. It yeah, we're, we're Milosh. We we'll call him that. Um, I think. I mean, he obviously you've got to have a big game, and he's just enormous, and that's that's you have to think. But you wonder about the versatility and the touch at the net, and you worry about the touch and the feel of the ball. I mean, he's all very well clubbing it, but you've got to learn how to sort of you know not club it sometimes as well. So I'm just wondering if he's got that. Uh, so that'll be intriguing to watch. But I think David Goffin, there you go, Ooh, or Martin Kližan, because I saw them both playing Davis Cup at the Brayhead Arena in Glasgow this year, and I think they both play well. I don't really
2: believe what I said, but I just thought I'd say it anyway. We had Jerzy Janowicz uh, was uh, was suggested by Mats Valander on court today, he was. wasn't he?
1: Well, Martin Clizan is the only new winner of an ATP World Tour title this year. He's the only first-time title That's, winner. Yeah, yeah. So, That's I mean, there's, there's not a total... No, no, no. But they like, from yeah. thin air. No, he's <laughs> from good, Andrew Castle no, no, he's there. A good, good, good player.
3: He's a good yeah. player. I don't really see him winning a grand slam. But, I mean, you know, hey, these trying, are all just names, to, aren't they? I'm throwing
1: you a bone there, thanks, mate. <laughs> I mean,
3: you know what? I picked it up, I gave it back, and I said thanks. But, that's, yeah, it's all good fun, isn't it? Because you know what all this is? It's just hot air. Isn't it marvellous? I mean, i tell you one thing, it's a it's lot a easier. It's a hot air podcast, but it's hot yeah. Air
1: that's going on record so that people can throw it back in their face. Excellent. What do
3: you know? A, if it contributes to the general hot aridness around the place, then fine. One thing I've learned after broadcasting for 23 years is it's a lot easier talking about it than actually doing it.
2: That's Andrew Castle. Thanks to him. Thanks to Thomas Enquist. Thanks to Jeremy Bates. Thanks to Catherine Whittaker for a wonderful six months here on the Tennis Podcast. If you're good, we might come back next year and carry on. I'm going to go for Andy Murray and Serena Williams to win the titles in Australia. Don't say anything, Catherine. Those are my predictions. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. And we'll speak to you soon. It'll be nice to your co
1: But you never did a break into the top four prediction.
2: Well, as usual, Catherine was right yet again. I didn't do, uh, who's going to break into the top four predictions. So here it is. I think on the men's side, eventually, eventually, Milos Raonic is going to make it. I think he's got the game that is big enough. I think he has the attitude that is right. He's single-minded. And I think eventually the big man from Canada is going to do exactly that. I think he's going to get to the semi-finals of a slam. I think he's going to get a big win over a big name. And I think he's going to be there or thereabouts for a few years to come. I think the biggest thing that's going to hold him back potentially is physical problems such as, as injuries to knees and backs and that sort of thing. We've seen Mark Philippouces, who so he's often compared to, struggling with that and maybe he will too. Let's hope not. And. We'll see him down in Australia in a few weeks from now. That's it from us on the Tennis Podcast. A little bit of information for you just before we go. The ballot system for the Aegon Championships at Queen's Club, where we work, uh, is about to open in the next month, and if you want to be... Uh, In with a chance of getting tickets for that tournament, you need to be on the tournament mailing list. So go to agonchampionships.com, follow the instructions there, get yourself on the mailing list. You'll get all sorts of information from us and you'll get a chance to go into the ballot, which uh, takes place in mid-January, and try to get some tickets for that fantastic tournament at the Queen's Club on the best grass courts in the world, according to many of the players. Thank you for joining us throughout the year here on the Tennis Podcast. It's been a pleasure to bring the show to you. I hope you've enjoyed it, and we'll be back in the first week of January. See you then.